Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro, ex-NHLer, now turned TSN color analyst. Thanks for listening. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on uh, iTunes. Get it on uh, pulphockey.com or any uh, Android Play store for the Google guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Downloads are going well, and, uh, yeah, we're having a good time doing it. And we've got a few of your questions as well um, that we'll answer uh, at the end of the show, as well as uh, Minnesota Wild front office, uh, man, Former Atlanta Thrasher Andrew Brunette will also be on, but first up, uh, it's Ray Ferrar. What's up, Ray? How are you? No, uh, I'm good. You know, I'm uh, back home after uh, kind of an extended road trip. Was just down in California uh, covering the Senators as they made their way to San Jose and L.A. and Anaheim. And mm-hmm. um, you no, know, it's uh, it's now uh, for me. It's that's pretty much it for the NHL. For my NHL games until the new year. It's. Uh, it's all world junior uh, all the time now. Time to time to prep and get ready for uh, for uh, another tournament, which is which is always one of the highlights of my year. Now we'll talk about this more in the next coming weeks. And the teams haven't been selected yet, but who's the favorite going in? Canada's uh, struggled a little bit in this tournament. Um, is it right now going in? I know it's early, and I know we don't know, but is there a, a favorite? Well, it, it, I think it's hard to pick. Uh, you know, a specific favorite, but the of the preliminary rosters that we've seen, the Swedes look really good. Swedes, yeah, they they look really good. Um, uh, the U.S. Uh, will have a good team, but they've never had uh, a collection of talent not available mm-hmm. for the tournament like this year. And you know the the guys that get into the NHL early now really hurt. Yeah, they're they're you know their national team junior teams. I mean, I mean it's ridiculous to think, but Connor McDavid's eligible for this tournament. Yeah, that is that is so. So is, so is Austin Matthews. I'm pretty yeah. sure neither Edmonton uh, nor Arizona are gonna, or, or Edmonton Toronto. nor uh, yeah. Toronto is gonna let those guys off the hook here. You know, um, like so it's it's gonna hurt them. But right. the U.S. has got a a number of players that that probably would be significant contributors to their team. But I, I would say if I were to pick one now, Steve, I would say it's um, it's Sweden. But who knows? Yeah, it's yeah. Always, here's yeah. here's the beautiful part of this tournament. You got a bunch of teenagers, and there's wildly unpredictable things that happen in the tournament. And I, and I think that's one of the reasons uh, people love it so much. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I forgot to bring this up last week on the show. Um, congratulations on being number ninety-eight in the hockey news number top one hundred people of power and influence, right behind Pierre Maguire. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who votes on those things, but um, I'd like a recount. <laughs> right, 98, like, yeah. Although I don't really want a recount in case I end up 101st. So. That's a good point, right? You know, I'll, I'll just exactly. take it the way it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and we thank uh, TSN for uh, for letting you come on here and all that, and I'm sure they're pumped that, you know, you're number 98. So, um, oh, yeah, just chasing Bob. Bob McKenzie's up there probably pretty high. I didn't see it, but I'm sure he's up there pretty high. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to touch on the Taylor Hall hit in a little bit. I got a couple of emails. I got a really interesting question for you via email that, that we'll get to after the Andrew Brunette interview uh, that's coming up. But first up, I guess, so you just saw the Senators. You follow the Senators in California, uh, San Jose, L.A., and uh, Anaheim. They, they beat San Jose. They lost uh, to Anaheim, and they lost to uh, L.A. Uh, actually, uh, I enjoyed our little meeting in Anaheim, right? That was, uh, you know, I'm sure it was a highlight for you. I, it was. I, I, it was great. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah. Ecstatic. Yeah, just ecstatic. Yeah. <laughs> um, first, so, so let's talk a little bit about California teams uh, and, and touch on the Senators as well. But um, what would you see? What would you think? Uh, I went to the game, the, the, the Ducks game, and uh, I guess we'll start there uh, before anything. Um, they look good. They look powerful. You know, they're big. They lean on you. Um, their D, I think their D is pretty good. And um, um, Gibson played well. Yeah, I, um, of the three teams, um, I would, uh, for, for me, um, the, the Ducks are the best mm-hmm. of the three. I think they're the, 
the most balanced. Um, I think when you give that defense another 50 games in the regular season, they're going to be even better than they are. I mean, they have five of their six defensemen and their goalie are under 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, I know this is a team that everybody associates with Corey Perry and Ryan Getzlaff, as they should, but, you know, uh, Sammy Votnin and uh, Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson, um, uh, Shea Theodore, these are really, really good young players. And and I I was really quite impressed. In particular, I would say yesterday, um, Sunday afternoon with uh, with Fowler. Just the way he gets around the ice, how smooth he is, uh, how confident he is. Um, I, I really liked Ricard Raquel. Uh, Jakob Silverberg is a really good player. Kessler's had a terrific year. Um, you know, at, at some point though, the the big boys for them, Perry and Getzlaff, are going to have to be a little better than they have. They just, you know, they've kind of meandered through the first twenty-five games of the season. But yep. you know, San Jose and LA don't score. Too. Yeah, you know, they don't score. Um, uh, you know. LA's hanging in there, um, although now they've pretty much got most of their players back. The, the one key ingredient, of course, missing is is Jonathan Quick, and mm-hmm. I mean he changes, I think, the tone of their team when when he's not in there. And um, you know, Peter Budai's done a really good job for him, but last year I think they won a oh I forget the number, just a crazy amount of games where they only scored two goals. And this year they don't win those games. Yeah. I mean the Kings aren't going to score. They don't. That's just the way it's been for them. Um, and so I'm, you know, I thought they had, they were a team that looked a little, uh, not not leaky, but a little mm-hmm. vulnerable, mm-hmm. I guess. And then um, uh, when you get to San Jose, really much like the Kings, I was, you know, they don't give up much, but my goodness, they don't score. They had that night. They had seven of their forwards that had two goals or under. I mean, wow, you, you yeah. can't win in the long term like that. You just can't. Um, talking about Quick and the L.A. situation and, and Daryl Sutter, too. We've had Robin Regeer on here a few times, and, uh, you know, obviously you won a cup with them, and, and he had Sutter in L.A., uh, and he had him in Calgary beforehand. And this is something he mentioned that kind of caught my eye. Like, Sutter's a coach that will wear on you. He'll grind on you a little bit. Um, he got He's gotten the most out of those guys, there's no doubt, but – like there's almost like a time where the guys are like, all right, we maybe, and it even goes back to like Mike Keenan days. The hard ass coach, you'll lose, a, you'll lose the players after a while, and and we're well, getting for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know the the one difference I would say, you know, the, the example you brought up was Keenan, but uh, outside of New York, where you know Keenan left immediately after they won. Yep. Um, you know, Daryl has won two Stanley Cups with these guys. So he probably gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think he's, at least publicly, he's changed a little bit. I know privately, like when he's in there giving it to the guys, he can be still be yeah. quite the hard ass. But it's um, it's a tough tough line for these guys to walk. You know, they want to they want to get things done the way they want them done. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can't be worried about, or oh, the guy's going to tune me out in three years. You know, you got to coach to win today, or else yeah. you're not going to get to three years. Yeah, yeah, good point, right? Um, and and quick is when? When do we think he's back? Probably by the end of this year, right? Oh, uh, you know what? Month? I I don't know that they've got a really firm timetable on okay. it, Steve. Mainly because you know it's a groin. Um, yeah. They got to be super super careful because if they're not, and they they get to a point where he thinks he's ready mm-hmm. and he comes back and gets hurt again then you've jeopardized yeah. all this rehab that he's done and they they're not going to do that i i think he's i think he's probably further away than than they would like right. put it that way and uh you know i've heard uh, tsn's jamie mcclendon talk about this he, you know he was a goalie forever and he really really good at that stuff and you know the difference between the the backups and the number ones are the ability to play 65 70 games and budai can he gave the kings a shot you know for 10 15 games but like you said it starts to wear on you and that's where an elite goalie is different from a peter budai or jonathan bernier or, or whoever right or well jeff i mean let, let's not forget Peter Budai was signed in L.A. to be depth. Yeah. You know, he, he wasn't on the team. Jeff Zatkoff is the backup. And then when Zatkoff got hurt uh, 10 days after Jonathan Quick, mm-hmm. you know, the Kings goalies were Peter Budai and Jack Campbell, neither of them who were in their organization at this time last year. 
And so that's what they had to run with. And I thought Daryl Sutter had a real good quote. He said, you know, our, our mission statement has changed. And right now we're just trying to stay tight to the pack until we get everybody back. And so now that the injuries are seemingly behind them for mm-hmm. the most part, well, now you've got to look at, okay, how do they get better? Well, Kopitar doesn't have a goal in 16 games. Mm-hmm. And I know he, he does a lot of things for them, but you don't pay a guy $10 million to check. Yeah. You can get a guy for a lot less yeah. than that. And Kopitar is a hell of a player, but he's got two goals on the season. And as does Ryan Getzlaff, by the way. And for those guys to make that kind of money and not produce like that really puts the heat on their team. Right. Uh, getting back to the Ducks, there was lots of rumors and talk about having to stay under the cap. GM Bob Murray going to have to get rid of uh, a defenseman, maybe Fowler. I mean, Simone Dupre went on long-term IR. Is that good? And I, maybe I'm putting you on a spot, right? My bad if you don't have the cap in, in front of you. But is that going to do it? Is that all they need to sort of not well, right now it? it is. Okay. Um, but. You know, I, it's funny, the name that, you know, because they signed Hampus Lindholm to a six-year extension, and, yep. uh, the name that everybody pointed to was Cam Fowler, that right. if they were going to make a move, it was going to be Fowler. Um, you, know, for, you know, probably part of that is that, um, you know, teams would love to have Cam Fowler. Yes. Uh, Randy Carlisle said in the last week, he said, Fowler's been so good, he's as important to us. He didn't say he's as good. Mm-hmm. He said he's as important to us as Brent Burns and Eric Carlson are to their teams. So that would tell me that he's not going anywhere. Right, right. So I, I, I would think right now they've – I mean, the fact that they're under the cap is, is what it is. I mean, that, that means they're good. They don't need to move anybody else. Um, does that mean they won't move anybody else towards the end of the year? If You know, what happens if there's an injury? What happens if – you know, all of a sudden they need to go find another forward. Yeah. Um, then maybe you know the depth of their organization would would come in handy there because not only do they have the guys that I mentioned earlier, but they've got a a kid that started the year um, in Anaheim. He went back to Sweden. He'll be at the junior tournament. Jakob Larson. Mm-hmm. They love this kid. Like he is really good. And so they got another one, and they've got uh, another young defenseman. Um, Montour in the American League. Like, there's another one. Yeah. So they do have strength in numbers that they could, if they have to, if they have to upgrade somewhere or feel they should, um, that would be the place they would do it. Uh, you meet with the coaches before the game so that, you know, Guy Boucher and McClellan and uh, Sutter and Carlisle. My question is, how's Randy doing? How is old Randy doing? You know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't get there in time. Oh, in Anaheim, okay. Um, right. So we didn't talk to him. I saw him briefly after, and you know, he's uh, he was happy. They had won. He's, you know, <laughs> they, you know, Bob Murray had said um, when I saw him, the general manager after too. He's like, yeah, I don't critique a win. You know, yeah, like, yeah. they were very happy with their win and the way they played. But you know, I I think these guys that have been around long enough, they know like. Man, there's going to be some ups, there's going to be some downs. And, and I would say that, you know, about Carlisle is, you know, he's, he's kind of a, you know, he's in a spot where he can coach pretty quietly. Uh-huh. There's, you know, in Toronto, of course, every time you, you know, you, you get a haircut, it becomes a news story. And, um, you know, I, I think he's probably okay with that. I think he's probably pretty okay right. with his team and pretty okay where he lives. Um, he looked he looked kind of at home behind uh, the bench, you know. Uh, like that's that's what I thought when I when I watched him there. He didn't, you know. He just looked kind of like where he should be. And I know things turned out pretty, pretty crappy in Toronto for a lot of people, and and he certainly took a brunt of it. Well, I, that hire came out of nowhere. I was surprised as shit when they they got Randy Carlisle back behind the bench. You know, I well, was, it was yeah. it was between him and Travis Green. Oh, it was okay. So yeah, Travis. And so Green they was. were. They were going to make a decision on whether it was going to be a younger guy, mm-hmm. Travis, or yeah. a more veteran guy in Randy. And, um, you know, they decided to go with Randy. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, the core of their team is they're all veterans. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and for Travis, it would have been, I think it would have been a tough spot to start. You know, you would have been in your, your first head coaching gig in the NHL, and you've got, you know, Getzlaff and Perry and Kessler and, you know, yeah. it might have worked out fine, and I think Travis is going to be a really good NHL coach. I really do. Um, but you know, it, it just it just wasn't to be this time. Right. Uh, before we get to uh, Andrew Brunette, uh, Senator thoughts on the three game. Um, 
my my thoughts was uh, uh, Bobby Ryan. Where'd you go? I don't watch a ton of Senators games live. I haven't seen them for a few years, and um, on the TV, I don't watch a ton of them. But uh, you know, it's always dangerous to judge one afternoon in Anaheim as a yeah, as a right. player. Always dangerous. But I'm just like Bobby Ryan. Come on, you know. Well, they you know Bobby hasn't scored in 15 or 16 games. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's been banged up a little bit. Um, but with Ryan, there are ins and outs to his season. There always has been, mm-hmm. um, and that's really. I, I think the critique, it's not his skill. It's not his, you know, he's, he's got good size. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. not that. It's that he has too many ins and outs to the season. And, you know, it's an out right now. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not getting much done, and they need him to do more. And this road trip, you know, as, just to, to finish that up, is, yeah. you know, they, were, um, they weren't very good in San Jose. Mike Condon was excellent, and they won. They were better in L.A. They gave up three power play goals and lost. And then last or yesterday afternoon, Sunday afternoon in Anaheim, that looked like a team to me that was had one foot on the plane. Let's get out of here, right? You know, yeah, like they yeah. were just they were just done. Um, and and that's you know when they got behind early. I don't know if you thought the same thing when you were watching, but they got behind early and and it looked like it was curtains right away. Yeah, yeah, they gotta be so perfect to score, right? They don't have a lot. Of, Carlson's got can create something out of nothing. And, man, I, watching him, it was funny too, Ray. A few times he made some passes that surprised his teammates, I thought. Guys, You're right. He made yeah. one to uh, Pajot. Pajot, that yeah. one behind the net. Pajot was like, whoa. <laughs> what a brilliant pass. I know. But, you know, he is like, he literally is like, um, he's a genius with the puck. Yeah. And, yep. you know, it's really difficult for everybody else to think along with the genius. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think you saw that. You know, or we all saw that with Gretzky, he would make these passes that nobody would be ready for, and you're like, "Wow, that was yeah, a really good play." Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not really sure how it was, but it was. And <laughs> right. you know, Yari Curry grew to learn about when the puck was coming, and yeah. you know, it worked out pretty pretty well for him. But Carlson is, I mean, he's a, a top echelon player. I mean, yeah. he is just a an incredible player. And outside of him, like to to create like something out of nothing, they gotta. There isn't anybody there. They gotta grind it, and hope everything goes away to score. At least to me, that's kind of watching them. Well, know? unfortunately, that's how it is for a lot of players in this league. Like they've got some talented guys. You yeah. know? Um, Kyle Turris is very talented. Uh, he didn't have a particularly good road trip. He was very quiet yesterday, I thought. Um, but you know, he is a he is a guy that can make a chance out of not much. But they. They have a lot of guys that that need a couple of chances mm-hmm. to score. Now they made a big trade in the summer. They traded uh, Mika Zibanejad to to the Rangers for Derek Brassard, and Brassard's got four goals. Yeah, yeah. You know, and y- you can say he's playing well, but he's not scoring. You can say that as much as you want, but eventually <laughs> Goes, that's nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's playing well, but he needs to score. Goes back to your Kopitar comment. Same thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm glad he's playing well. <laughs> right. We need him to score. Right. Um, Andrew Brunette, let's get him on here because uh, you guys played a couple seasons together with the Thrashers, and of course he's in the front office now uh, of the Minnesota Wild. Uh, moved, he was behind the bench for, for a couple years, so um, let's get your guy on here. Shall we do that? Absolutely. Great great man, good boy. He's a, just a, a great buddy, and um, uh He's an entertaining cat. You'll see that. (laughs) All right, let's get him on here. All right, and now welcoming in on the uh, Pulp Hockey Podcast is uh, a member of the Minnesota Wild front office, former teammate of yours, Ray, Andrew Brunette. What's up, Andrew? Thanks for for coming on. No problem. Anytime. I guess when uh, when Ferraro puts the word out, you just, that's it. You just have to do it. Is that exactly, exactly. I think what happens is he doesn't want to listen to me bug him, so he just. It's okay, I'll do it. Now right. leave me alone. Um, by the way, when are you two going to get any sort of acknowledgement by the um, Jets slash Thrashers for the uh, for the wonderful two years that you guys put together and the sweet music that both of you made? <laughs> I'm sure they want to forget those years. <laughs> hey, Bruce. So like now we got we got this expansion coming up, and you know my Atlanta was my only experience at it thankfully like that was enough but you went through it three times with nashville with minnesota and then with atlanta um i know times have changed what's the and now you're in management what's the biggest challenge for the management staff george mcphee and that in in nash or in uh in vegas 
Well, I think their biggest challenge is, is uh, finding players that fit into or having a, a game plan of how you're going to create culture. And I think um, the, the teams that have done it right. I think they've done that. Um, and then they identified which players will fall into that category and help them um, advance into developing a culture, a certain way to play, uh, whatever it is, whatever you you know, whatever. Las Vegas believes that's the kind of team they want. That's the identity they want. Uh, that's the culture they want. But I think that's important because I'm um, just taken from the experience that worked and some didn't work as well. Um, you know, you really had, you know, for example, coming into Minnesota, we really had certain kind of players and there was a culture. And it started probably from Doug Risebrow and, and, and Jacques Lemaire and, and how they um, wanted to build the team and, and you know, obviously Jacques is an outstanding coach, but they had some clout. They've won Stanley Cups. Um, so there was an ultimate respect coming in. But they also identified the players that they thought either had an upside or were going to be um, or fit into the mold that they, the type of players they wanted to have some success. You know, I was talking to a couple of guys yesterday in Anaheim. We were, you know, I had a game there, and they said one thing that or a couple of things that are different is, you know, one, of course, they have to spend money. They've got to get to the floor. So you can't just draft a bunch of guys that, you know, that might not have any impact yet. But two is how good do you really want to be? Like, do you want to draft seventh or eighth? Exactly. Or yeah. do you want to, yeah. you know, yeah. like that? Exactly. Like that's got to go into it, doesn't it? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure. I think you'd think it'd have to go into it a little bit, you know, so, you know, I think, say for the Minnesota mold, um, you know, they kind of, by product of either wanting to or not, you know, probably not really wanting to get that good that quick, but they were able to, they had developed that sort of the culture and they had, they, they found players that had a little bit of chip on their shoulders, had something to prove. And they, they all kind of bought into that identity and, and they got a lot of mileage out of that. And it was at the best for the franchise or not. I'm not sure. I believe it is because I think it developed something uh, that when other players come in, that culture is already there. It's already set and people f- fall in, but you do miss out on some top five picks and, uh, you know how it is that uh, those picks are, especially in today's game, uh, are like gold. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting how they play. And exactly to your point, I, which direction do you want to go? It, you know, do you really want to win or do you really want to be a pick in 11th, 12th every year? Or do you, you know, do you, yeah. you kind of want to pick, you know, top five the next or top three the next three years? But at the same time, uh, losing kind of gets in your blood and gets in the system and becomes part of your your culture and, and I don't know how healthy that is either. Yeah, you're right, Andrew. Like if you think of the Wild, um, they've never really bottomed out like so many expansion teams, like so many Pittsburghs or Edmontons or, or whatever over the years. They've never really had that. So it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you know, um, it uh, uh, for now, uh, Andrew. How do you like being away from behind the bench uh, to being in uh, in black ops there at Minnesota Wild front <laughs> office? Um, do you like it? You like the change? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just starting to get used to it. I, when I retired in, um, I don't even know what year, <laughs> I guess 2013 or so. Um, you know, I kind of had kind of this title right away, and I did it. It was a lockout season, so it was pretty short. So I did. I tasted a little bit that year, and then uh, kind of went behind the bar, kind of went back and in the coaching ranks there for three years. So I had a little taste of it, but yeah, I'm just trying to you know figure it out, and um, I really enjoyed you know I enjoyed coaching, I enjoyed the grind. You know, you kind of miss being on the ice. I think that's the one thing. I'm, I'm not sure I miss all the video, but I miss <laughs> uh, being on the ice with the players, and, and you're part of a team, you're part of a group, and there's a little bit of that competitive thing, and, and kind of what I'm doing now, you're um, kind of out of that a little bit, and, and uh, you know, you're, you're kind of, you're watching the games from afar where it's not really your day-to-day life, and, mm-hmm. you know, not everything entails around uh, the wins and losses of, of, of your team in particular, um, and you don't have problems to fix every day, so, you know, there's probably a give-take of it. Right, right, yeah, I guess, or maybe I was thinking that you, you were tired of hearing Boudreaux and John Anderson talk about late 70s Leafs teams. <laughs> You're just like, I got to go. I got to get out of here. Actually, Brew, if you were on that staff, I mean, yeah. it, you would be the best conditioned guy <laughs> on that staff. Like, you could outskate Andy. For, I played with Andy. He was my winger. And, and Andy kind of looked the same when he played. <laughs> he does now. Boudreaux's probably, got, yeah, Boudreaux's probably still got hands, I bet. I bet he's still got hands. Yeah. But he goes well, we really Scotty. slow, I think. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we have Scotty Stevens in there, too, so he kind of makes up for everybody. He's still, 
he's still pretty uh, chiseled. It looks like he could still strap him on right now. Yeah, that's probably a good point. Hey, you know, you were talking about culture, of course, and um, you know, building the culture. And of course, I'm giggling to myself, thinking, what the hell kind of culture did we have in Atlanta? <laughs> <laughs> because for people that aren't really aware, like Brew and I played on the first couple of teams in Atlanta, we won 14 games. 14, 57, year. and 7. Yeah. That's hard to a do. A lot of losses. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of losses. A hell of a lot of losses. <laughs> so the, the good news well, because, yeah. hey, like, don't you, like, to keep your sanity, as you play really well and you know you're not going to win most nights anyway, but to keep your sanity, we had to have some fun. And so, Either you can talk about it or I'm going to prompt you on it, but t- can you tell the guys about the, the three-on-three league, which you were our commissioner at? <laughs> because that was the best yeah. thing that happened out of those first couple of years, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, we, yeah, that, was, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. We had some rink rats. I think a lot of guys there, uh, you know, we, we stay after practice and even attested to Ray, who was – you know, played a bunch of years already to mm-hmm. stay out and play. We'd play three on three. So what we did is usually we kind of divided you by, you know, where your hometown was from. So, okay. <laughs> uh, for example, like we were uh, three Northern Ontario guys on our team. We call ourselves Team North. Uh, myself from Sudbury, uh, uh, Sean Donovan from North Bay, and Denny uh, Lambert for Wawa, for example. So that was kind of Team North. And we had Team West that Razor was on and mm-hmm. Matt Domicelli. And we had Team USA with a Chris Tamer. And uh, we had the European team with, uh, you know, some of our Euros. Um, the Swede. and Tommy the Calio, Swede, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we were kind of divided up. And we had Audrey was with Razor, too. Ray and Matt Domicelli there, the, the Team West. So, yeah, Audrey is Saskatchewan, right? Yeah, he works out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we had, a, we had a little league after practice. So we'd play in one end. Um, and yeah, I was the finisher, and, and Sean Donovan was like Gretzky of the whole thing. He couldn't even take the puck. I mean, he, he, you know, we played sort of serious, but this was like this is life or death for Donovan out there. He and he kind of fit into the whole uh, persona that he was Gretzky, kind of thing, which was priceless in its own way. Uh, <laughs> right to the point of changing his helmet for the three-on-three game. He got the Jofa. He, got he liked the- to wear the Gretz helmet, oh. which was. <laughs> One of the yeah, greatest three. Yeah. So one of the fun things to jump into. So once we came off the ice, Bruno would go into our lounge, which is you know where you'd change after you showered, you where your clothes were hanging, and there was this big whiteboard in there. And Bruno would write headlines. He'd he'd find out where everybody's hometown paper was. What was in it? Like mine, I was the Trail Daily Times from Trail. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. some serious so he'd work. Write, yeah, he'd write yeah. a headline from the Trail Daily Times: Ferraro sucks in three-one loss. <laughs> and, and, and then he'd have he'd had a waiver list. Oh, it was outstanding. I mean, I yeah. guess at that point, Andrew. I've talked to some guys who have played like for the original Senators and stuff. I mean, it is really kind of a foxhole mentality where you're like, look, we're gonna get hammered. Can we try to? have some fun, right? I mean, that, that's the idea, because otherwise you might throw yourself into oncoming traffic. Well, yeah, it kept you at insanity, right? I mean, yeah. it, uh, you know, kept kept you thinking about something else, and uh, and you had fun with it, and you kind of forgot about all the different things, and, and uh, you know, we had a fun group. I, you know, I can remember we'd play, we, we also, I was kind of a commissioner of um, Passiers, so we used to play Passiers every, every road trip, and we used to have majors, like it was kind of a golf tournament where we put extra money in, and <laughs> you know, and the guys got in, and it was, it was a hoot. I mean, it just, anything that keeps you away from, you know, falling in the doldrums of, of losing 60 or 57 times a year. Now, and, and this extends right through to management, so our coach was the most intense guy Kurt Fraser. Ever. Yeah. Kurt Fraser. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, he just wanted to win so bad, we just weren't very good. And so we'd be hooting and hollering on the back of the bus this past the ace where you pass a card around and, you know, you're, you're basically betting on your card. And w- when it was a major, mm-hmm. you know, a little extra money, so now it got a little louder. And the bus would pull up to the hotel sometimes. We wouldn't be finished. And there's one time I'll never forget. <laughs> we had, I think, like two or three guys left. There's a lot of money here. We're trying to pass the ace fast because we're, right. we've got nowhere to go. And Kurt's waiting for us at the end of the bus, like as we're getting off, because he's mad that we're holding up the bus driver. And we, we scooted by there so fast and left Bruno to take 
because he was the commissioner. Right, right. So Bruno had to take it in the teeth on this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Poor Fraz, he just, he just wanted to win. Right. We, <laughs> yeah. What about when, yeah. like, looking at the stats from that opening year, uh, a guy like Nelson Emerson, right? He, he plays 58 games and then gets shipped to L.A. Do you guys, when that happens, are you all like, man, you got out of here. Good luck. Like, it's a Shawshank thing. Like, I can't believe you're getting out of here. Are you guys happy for him? Yeah, I mean, we're happy for. I don't. I don't think you ever look at it that way at all. I mean, we had. <laughs> You're not like please it, stay. It, it's, yeah, it's not. You know, the losses were miserable for sure. But we also had. You know, we had some fun, and there's some great guys there. So yeah, I think when guys moved on, you you wish them best of luck. But I think we're all happy. We're you know obviously not happy with the winning, but we enjoyed mm-hmm. each other's company, and and uh, you know we were looking for brighter days. You know. Uh, Okay, this year's things, but we're an ex- you know expansion team. I think is, yep. we're going to get a high pick. We're going to get better. You 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 want to be part of that building block where you're going to build too. You know, you're or at least they're selling you on the belief that you're part of the building <laughs> block that's going to build yeah. something great. But <laughs> <laughs> the there are two more stories about the Thrashers, and we'll ask about something else. But one of them, Brew, is um, I'll tell this one, and then you got to tell about when Jeff Rogers ran over your car. But um, we were we were playing in Phoenix and we're we're losing, getting shut out. And Kurt calls a timeout because he wants to break the shutout. So he's diagramming this play, which of course we haven't scored in 59 minutes. We're probably not going to score in the last minute, and it's like three nothing. Right. And so we skate out to the faceoff, and Bruno. I've told this story a hundred times since we were. It's one of my favorites. And uh-huh. Brew comes up, and we're really good buddies, and. You know, I mean, we had we had had a really good year, and but you know, it's not winning very much. And he says, "So I think he's going to tell me something about this play that just right. diagram." Sure, yeah. And yeah. he says, "Okay, chip it in the corner, and I'll go fall on it. That way, we can't get another minus." <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I lose the draw naturally. They go D to D. The guy shoots at two hundred feet in the empty net, and we get another minus. Yeah, it's minus thirty-two, minus thirty-three that year. Uh, Yannick yeah. Tremblay, minus forty-two for Yannick. Yeah, he, he got the green jacket. We had one. Too. Oh, you did? We took this series. Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. It was like map. We had it. And we got his name, and you know, we were supposed to move on from year to year. But yeah, we were in uh, like Razor would have the the stats out and kind of break it down before the game. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the last weekend? Yannick hurt his back and he sat out. Right. And Bruno and I were like right in the race. Yeah. And, and so we went in. He was on the training table. We're like, get the hell out there. We could easily go dash five tonight. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get back in there, my man. Yeah. Uh, um, the goalie. Win before, you, hey, but see, before we move on, Bruno's yeah. gonna talk about his lovely Volvo car. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear that. Uh, story yeah well just a little uh, you know to add on to that story i mean we had a few of those nights like that when i remember in um in ottawa where we were actually playing a pretty like we were playing a good game and we we leave the game like minus three and i remember the night where i said fall on it i think we you know we were i think we had three empty net goals against that night with all these plays but uh we we were in i think it was me you and whitey mike stapleton as a liner yes. we're in their end you know uh, constantly it is you know for considering our team but we uh we were we, we were minus three about eight minutes in and we kind of got benched and we're sitting on the bench and we look up and um they scored six goals on five shots is what they had on the uh... <laughs> uh, we're like look at us I mean, we don't even have as many shots as goals <laughs> <laughs> What are we guys doing? Well, we just had that uh, kind. Of, it was just a bizarre every night, but uh, yeah, we we had fun. But the uh, the Volvo story was we um, we were waiting for a, a, our our charter, which we called uh, Trash Air. Um, was was <laughs> remember the pilot and we striker? Yeah, <laughs> striker. <laughs> So we were. It was. It was waiting for a part or or, right. or a pilot. I don't know one or the other. So we we had a couple hours to kill. So we went for lunch and you know we found okay we're ready to go. So there's probably you know ten cars or whatever having a restaurant for lunch or out to a restaurant. So we we start heading back to the airport into the parking lot and the parking lot was fairly full. You know it was like charter mm-hmm. parking lot and we're all in the line. We're all in a rush to get out of there. And I'm kind of following Aji and he was the you know the kind of leadoff hitter and he's got this big. F like 650 or you know some massive truck of course <laughs> when he would drive um and he had a he had a bad neck and i had this at least this little volvo car um 
so I was driving that, and we're we're kind of s bending all through this parking lot trying to find a spot. So I'm behind Aji, and he goes up maybe about twenty yards, and he slams the brakes on. And I notice there's an open spot, kind of right around the corner where I turned, mm-hmm. uh, right behind him. And I thought, there's no way Aji's going to, you know, why would he go all the way? I just see that now. But Aji had like a kind of a chronic neck problem where he, he had trouble <laughs> turning side to side kind of thing. So <laughs> where he'd have to shift his whole body to see behind him kind of thing. And so he's in that big truck and I'm behind him and Aji decides to put it in reverse. I'm like, what is, what, what is he doing? You know, he must see me. <laughs> well, he, he sort of like, and he was, he kind of went in reverse, like pretty high speed for going in reverse. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to get hit. So I look to go in reverse, and there's Razor behind me, and, and guys are all behind him, so he can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. It was like slow motion, even though he was going pretty quick, and he went right up my, right up the, uh, the hood of my car, smashed my glass. With this monster truck. You know, it was this monster truck, and the worst part is, like, because he's not turning around, he kind of goes up halfway up my hood, and then he slides back down. I'm like, okay, he's done. Well, no, he's like, tramp. It's like he almost thought he hit a speed bump or something. So he gave it some more gas and went all the way up. Like, oh man, you could have you could have dropped a bowling ball in the hole in the hood. And do you remember what Aji said when he got out of the truck? Uh, I can't remember. He goes, hey. He looks right. He's obviously yeah. embarrassed. He goes, "You scratched my trailer hitch." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he ripped a hole in his car. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. I was so we're on the plane and we're like about, you know, an hour in or something or a flight, and I'm still I'm like, like Razor, I, I can't believe I'm <laughs> he just rattled my, my car. Could you imagine if that would have happened to? one of our wives, we would have been furious at them. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't you guys pay attention? What's wrong with you? Right. And we're like, oh, gee, what a dummy. <laughs> Your insurance company's like, what happened? Uh, my teammate backed into me uh, over and over with his monster yeah. truck. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Scott Fankhauser, Norm Miracle, Damian Rhodes, Rick Tabaracci, and Scott Lankow. Ray. Oh, I forgot Rick Tabarak. Yeah, one game. I totally forgot him. One game, yeah, four, four goals against. Which That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> which guy stood out, Ray? Which, which, which guy took you guys to, to the 14 wins? You, you know what? I'll tell you, out of those that stood out, I'm going to say Scott Fankhauser. Okay. And, and the reason I say that is he got called up before a game in Detroit. And he got there right before the game, and... We didn't really know him because he wasn't in training camp. Okay. And so I don't know where he came from or how they got him there or what. I don't even know. (laughs) But whoever started the game in Detroit, we were losing 4-1. And they they pulled him and put Scott in. And so the first face-off, you know, Scott's doing his little stretches or whatever. And face-off's in our zone. And the linesman says to me, uh, Ray, what's your goalie's name? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. We just got here. I think that's Fank. Fank. Let's call him Fank. He goes, look at his mask. So his mask, you know, like yeah. everybody's got a custom-made mask. It's right. perfect. Well, Scott's wasn't custom-made. The eye bar, which is supposed to go right down your nose, like in right. the middle, yeah. it was off to the right. What? Goes, look at his mask. I'm like, what the heck? Look at our team. We won. We came back and won the game. So that I always remember Frank as uh, as one of our goalies. Oh, I, I'd never really heard of him. Uh, I forgot that he even played, and I just looked him up, and he only got the next year. He got seven games with the Thrashers, and that was it. Never played in NHL again. Well, I think the next year we probably is that when Posse Nermanen came in. Yeah, my, yeah, uh, yep, no. yep. Is it oh, okay? I know we had. Uh... Halenka too was in right around yeah, there too. Right? Milan came in yeah. there. By the Milan, way, for yeah. anyone listening, if you don't know who Patsy Nermanen is, <laughs> YouTube him <laughs> and put Patsy Nermanen and airplane. It is it is one of the, this is our goalie by the way. A couple of years after he retired, it's one of the greatest pieces of video in I think in hockey. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's it's phenomenal. It's it's amazing stories. Uh, and yeah, I mean, what do you do, right? You got to make fun of it. You just got to try to slug through this thing and, you know, score some. I mean, you well, guys. We, I remember 
I remember we had one night we were in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was strong. You know, obviously everybody yeah. was strong for us, but they, you know, they had Lemieux, and they were. I mean, we had, there's a couple backstories of this. This is just this one of, of distance, and we had George Kingston, uh, assistant coach, and, mm-hmm. and George was, you know, he was really good at keeping it light, and um, his his big thing is if you had 30 shots in that, you get ice cream. And uh, (laughs) these are grown men, right? Like these are grown. You guys are all grown men, right? Yeah, Yeah, we're professional athletes, right? Right. So we're we're in Pittsburgh and we're losing like seven one. And George is constantly yelling at the referee that the shot clock is like, you know, shot clock. They're 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 screwing us out of further. You know, they're not counting some of our shots. So he's yelling at the ref, and the ref's just looking at him like, "What are you talking? What are you talking about?" Kind of thing. Like really. Like seven one, but anyways, we finally muster up enough offense, and we get we hit thirty shots, and it, and we're kind of like we don't even at this point even want ice cream. <laughs> but it's like thirty. You know, you're kind of embarrassed, and George is yelling, you know, ice cream boys, we got ice cream. <laughs> sure enough, and next day of practice, George brought it in. He brought in. He brought in the next day. Brought in or the two days later. Brought in some ice cream for us. We're like a peewee. Probably the only time we had it. <laughs> you guys are like a peewee team, right? Hey, everybody! Ice cream for everybody. Yeah. And Norm Miracle. You know, out of that, out of whole, out of all that mess, right? Um, yeah. You know, we had Ilya Kovalchuk and Danny Heatley, and Bruno went on to play a thousand games, and I played over a thousand games. Like we had some good players. Stevie Stayos play a thousand, right? Yeah, yeah on those, on those, to it. On, never mind as the team got older, but like we had some pretty good players. We just didn't have near enough of them. Yeah, and after after a while, you you know, as we've said here, and I you know, I hope people understand. Like we're, we're trying our ass off out, out there. It's just not enough. <laughs> it's just yeah, and and so you we're gonna you know you'd you'd get on the bus after the game. You know, you'd have a, somebody'd have a stat sheet. You'd look at it and you'd just see a whole bunch of guys shaking their heads <laughs> as they looked at this thing. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go on a limb and say that Norm Miracle enjoyed the ice cream. He was one of the guys <laughs> looking forward to the ice cream. Normie Normie was not running sprints, <laughs> right? That's for sure. Uh, Actually, that I that that will give me one more story about the Thrashers. <laughs> Damian Rhodes was the backup goalie. Damien was probably 5'10-ish, about 170 mm-hmm. pounds. Normie was about 5'8", I don't know, 210,000 yeah. pounds. I'm not really <laughs> sure he was big. Normie's a big dude. Yeah. And so Normie's mask broke. Mm-hmm. And so while they were getting it fixed, the ref says, you've got to get him back in the net. Yeah. So Rhodesy, Damien Rhodes says, here, put my mask on. He put it on. It was like putting four pounds of sand in a three-pound jar. Right. It was one of the funniest. And Normie's like, I can't even breathe. I can't wear this. And the ref's like, no, you can't. And so they waited no, you for him can't. to fix the mask. When he, when he pulled it on, oh, it was just outstanding. Cheeks are coming through the bars. His cheeks are like sticking through the bars. <laughs> that was a good one. I mean, there is a there is a book about expansion hockey. Uh-huh. There really is. Yeah, because I'm sure there were teams just like ours. But I I re- I really have a connection to that. Like I I know I'm sure you do too, Brew. Just because of oh, yeah. of oh, what yeah. it was. You know, for all the good things that we got to do. I mean, this team was a little. A little special, just in, in what it was. <laughs> well, and then you played in Atlanta, which made it weirder probably also. Nobody's coming to the games, and nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was a bizarre It was a bizarre experiment, for sure. Right, right. Well, uh, we're, we're plumb out of time with Andrew Burnett of the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> hey, Bruno, Bruno's claim to fame, the last guy that ever scored on Patrick Waugh. Yeah, game seven, OT. Just drove him into retirement. And Waugh said, if Brunette deked me, it's time (laughs) to go. Right, right. Waugh's like, it's time to go. (laughs) Au revoir, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, hey, Andrew, thanks uh, thanks for joining the Ray Ferraro uh, Paul Pocky podcast. Uh, Good times. Sorry we didn't touch on the Wild some more. I don't know if you still wanted to. Oh, these are way better stories. (laughs) (laughs) More fun to talk about this than that. (laughs) Well, uh, awesome, man. Anytime. Thanks for your time. All the best, Bruce. Thanks, everybody. Take care, Razor. Yeah. Bye. See ya. Thanks to Andrew for uh, for coming on. Uh, <laughs> ice cream. You guys are peewee players now. You get ice cream. 
<laughs> you bet you we did. That was uh, that was a big night for us. How about his laugh? I know. I, I can. I felt bad. We didn't. We didn't even ask him about the wild at all. <laughs> I can't, those stories are gold. Those are yeah, gold. I, but I, you know, like honestly, as, as I said there, like there's a. Uh, there's something about the Thrashers that's just a little, a little different. You just yeah. you're you have, you're connective to it, yeah. and even though it's was really bad, it was really good. He's like, yeah, Tabarachi, I forgot about that. I had when you said that, I was like, man, that must be the next year. I thought yeah. you were looking at the wrong year. Yeah, yeah, one game. And you're like, years. no, no. Yeah. Oh, I'm Hey, uh, uh, the the couple of things uh, in the news. Uh, Flyers have won nine straight, and they're on. We talked about Dave Hextall a little bit last week, and Ron Hextall, your old teammate, um, a little bit yeah. about that. So they're on fire right now. Good to see that. Um, the Taylor Hall hit on the on Vancouver Canucks Philip Larson that knocked him out cold. Um, I know this is a little old because you know it happened early last week after our show, but I got to get your your thoughts on it. Um, first of all. <laughs> Come on, everybody. Can you not kick him in the head when he's concussed? Really? Really, guys? Well, okay, so we'll start there. Um, when, when that hit happens, you know, just from a being on the ice standpoint, nobody even really knows, I would think, that he's out. Mm-hmm. They just know he got hit and they didn't like the hit, and so they jump in there. And once you're in there, you're in there. I mean, it looks ridiculous. It looks dangerous, oh. and it and it was really dangerous. But for the most part, you'd be amazed how many things happen on the ice that guys don't see. Like they would say, "Oh, I don't know. I didn't see it." Yeah. So they, I mean, I'm sure everybody in the building because the puck was there saw the hit. But I'm I'm probably or I am really comfortable saying that um, the the guys probably reacted before they knew anything about Larson's condition for sure. Wow. Um, no suspension for Taylor Hall. And I agree. I think it's fine. I, it, it was just a hit. It was nothing wrong with it. Great, great hit. I actually it's, thought he tried to let up a little um, bit on huh? the hit. Like yeah. he, he looked like he was trying to stop. Um, I, it, it makes me sick to see a guy hurt like that. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would say I'm probably, you know, as far on the side on the side of suspend more, not less, than almost any broadcaster. I just I think it's it's a way you, unfortunately, a way you change behavior. Um, if you te- if you don't suspend guys, and you say hey don't do that, they'll be like yeah okay fine, and then they don't feel the need to change their behavior mm-hmm. yet. And and I and so you know I would most of the time be on hey that guy needs to be suspended I don't think so for Hall at all I think it yeah. was a really really unfortunate uh, play for for the way it turned out and I and as I said I don't even think he intended to I mean he didn't even follow through he didn't yeah blow his shoulder up or anything he just kind of got there and stopped yeah that wasn't and, a Wendell yeah. Clark Bruce Bell follow no. through I mean I yeah. saw somebody try to make that comparison that's not even no no it's not even in the ballpark no did you ever get suspended uh no just fined okay for what for, um, for ju- some just rather a- careless stick work <laughs> careless stick work it actually wasn't careless at all and uh, that's why I got fined right exactly when they called you you tried to tell them it was careless but they weren't no when it. they called and said it, Brian Burke was suspending me and and he's like look I I'm pretty sure we all know that this is going to get you fined <laughs> I mean like it wasn't yeah. wasn't even really much of a call I mean what was I going to say Speared the guy. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he suspended me, yeah, or he fined me. Find right? you, yeah. um, Today I probably would have got suspended, but that was in right. the mid '90s. So uh, Dallas is a bit of a tire fire defensively again. Lindy Ruff, when he coached Buffalo, he made so much happen with not much. I mean, he had Hasek, so that was a pretty good start. But um, I always looked at him like this coach that could take some guys and 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 you know grind out wins and and, and have a good defense and everything else, but. Lindy's might be on the chopping block here. I mean, I know they lost some guys in the defensive end over the summer, and I know they've had some injuries. But, and I, I don't blame all the goalies, though. This isn't well, going well. No, no, you don't. I mean, nobody gets all of the blame, but mm-hmm. they were starting, in my opinion, from a, a deficit position, and that is that their goalies aren't very good. So, you know, like, they've got two goalies that if they offered them around the league, if they offered both of them around the league in uh-huh. a trade, I can't imagine that either one of them would have a market. 
you know, I mean, Lettinen makes five point six yeah, million dollars. They're ten million. Miami makes yeah. three and a half, and I think they've got the worst save percentage in the league. Yeah, nine hundred two. That's number one. Number yeah. two is they have a really explosive group of forwards and a very very young group of D. And so they've been shuttling guys up and down, Stephen Johns and Nemeth and Alexiak and uh, Julius Honka, um, all these guys. They're really good prospects, mm-hmm. but I, I just don't know that they're ready to assume that type of responsibility, and it would look like they're not. Um, so, you know, they play a couple good games, and then they yeah. maybe predictably they fall back. But they also lost, um, you know, a couple of forwards, Alex Hemsky and Matthias Janmark, uh, that were key players for them last year. Yep. And they lost them at a time frame that you can't replace them. Like they just got back, you know, they, yep. it was right before the season. And how are you going to replace that? Yep. And the answer was they couldn't. And Nishushkin. Nishushkin? Nishushkin yeah. went, went back went to back Russia to as Russia. well. And now yep. he wasn't as big a contributor, but... You know, he's just getting into but he the, was, then you feel the like, time of where he yeah. should start to be improving. Yeah, whenever I watched him, I thought that guy was pretty good and coming on, you know. Um, oh, oh, but so. he's just young still. You know, yeah. Steve, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up on him yet. I mean, I remember him in the World Junior Tournament that, you know, he was an absolute beast. Yeah. But the yeah. danger with guys like that is they might be a beast in the World Junior Tournament because they're bigger and stronger than everybody else. Sure. And you're not bigger and stronger than everyone else when you get to the <laughs> NHL. Um, yeah, absolutely. I watched that Flyer game, Flyers Stars, uh, where Shen had the hat trick, and um, it was just it was two on ones, three on twos all day long down the ice. Yeah, I mean, eventually, <laughs> you know, you can have both goalies in the net, and they're not going to stop those. Yeah. So you're you're you are leaning more towards goalies that being like if they had a better goalie. Um, I think if they had a better goalie, they'd er- they would have erased a lot of their yep. early season problems. But you look, I I've been. I look at things now maybe a little differently than I used to, and it's never, in my opinion, it's never just one thing. Right, right. You know, you can say it's the goalies, but it's probably the D as well. Yeah. And you can say it's the D's youth, but they're probably not playing as well, uh, you know, with yep. the forwards. They're not scoring as much. They're, remember at the start of last year, I mean, they were like a, they were like a circus. It's so much fun to watch them <laughs> yeah, play. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were putting it in. Yeah, um, and they, you know, now they don't score enough, and so yeah. – well, I know they don't score enough. They don't score enough, enough to, to yeah. mitigate the problems they got. Yeah, absolutely. Should should Lindy be a bit worried? Uh, not yet. No, nope. no, I don't nope. think so. I, you know, I do. I do think there is a time where you go, okay, guess what? There's there's no more excuses, and we're gonna have to we're gonna have to change something. And, yeah. And we all know that you can't change everybody. Yeah. Um, and the, and the easy thing to change is is the coach, and so maybe they're at a point there soon, but not now for me. Yeah, and uh, Klingberg got suspended. You saw that for a, yep. for a game. And, now he uh, okay. So there's there's another thing is that yeah. you know last year John Klingberg was a revelation, and this year he's been an absolute tire fire to the point that he was a healthy scratch at at some point. Yeah, you know, so it's it's been a. A bit of a step back after a pretty exciting uh, last year for them, and um, you know, I I saw some great enthusiasm in Dallas last year. I was there for that playoff series that they uh, when they beat Minnesota, and mm-hmm. you know, the, like it was really fun. And you're like, well, that's what this place should be like. And now they have to go back to work. Right, right. Uh, speaking of coaches, let's get into our mailbag for Ray Ferraro. Paul Pocky Podcast, get it on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, uh, the Google Play Store, and uh, and paulpocky.com. Uh, from Chris here, talking about coaches. And uh, the Coyote, Coyotes are a young team, and it takes a while for the players to start to gel. But what point does the focus tip from team to coach? Should Tippett be worried at this point? Uh, 100% not. No. Because when John Chaika, the 26-year-old general manager, was hired, one of the other portions of that was Dave got um, a lot more input into player personnel decisions. Yep. And so um, they're not firing him. That's, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, yep. I guess that's basically what I was getting to. That, that's not happening. Yeah. You see, uh, and Domi's out for, like, six weeks, the hand injury for the fight. Okay, so, oh, you know, I know there's certain broadcasters that say, oh, look at that, he's a tough guy, and look at him stand up. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, oh, good. Yeah. He's now the toughest guy with a cast on his hand. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, it, it makes no sense to me. And, 
um, I, you know, he was frustrated and he dropped the gloves and Hey, that happens. But I, I think I would probably have the discussion with him. You're not your dad. <laughs> and your dad fought lots because that's what he did. Yep. And for the next six weeks, we get no goals out of you. Well, I we need you on the ice. I even heard some of your buddies uh, in the broadcast world, Ray, say that McDavid, you know, needs to drop him to show everybody you can't push. And I'm just like, stop it. Stop well, but they're it. dumb then, because or they don't stop get it. Like, it. why would why would Connor McDavid drop his gloves? I don't know to show that he can't be it, pushed it, around. Yeah, but so, yeah, yeah. So, okay, you won't push me around. <laughs> but what happens if he drops the gloves? And in there, the guy that he drops the gloves with happens to know what he's doing and knocks him out. I'm with Then you. what? Wouldn't that be brilliant? <laughs> you know, like, the, the, but, but this, the thing about McDavid brings up, a, a, in my opinion, a pretty interesting point, mm-hmm. and that's you can't, I don't think the league, rather, protects their players, their star players enough. It should not be a rodeo when Sidney Crosby's on the ice. Mm-hmm. It should not be... Um, you know, break through the chain gang for Connor McDavid. Like that's yeah, that doesn't happen in other sports. Look what they've done in football. Yeah, the quarterback. I mean, you hit yeah. the quarterback if you if your finger grazes his helmet, it's a roughing the passer. Those are their stars. They want to protect them. LeBron, I, I don't know why our league can't quite figure that out. LeBron travels on pretty much every play, and if you touch him, you get fouled. And he's built and like a linebacker. So do, <laughs> do people come to watch a guy rebound 25 times, or right. do they come and watch LeBron score 35? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, Mario brought this up. Remember years ago, Mario they was just called like, it a garage league. Yeah, exactly. He's outstanding. Yeah. All right, two more questions for you. I like this one. This is good from Adam. Ray, which current NHL player reminds you the most of yourself during your playing career? I like that one. Oh, wow. That's First of all, uh, you were you probably averaged 35 a year, 30 to 35? No, not that much. I think somebody told me once my average was 27. Really? Okay. So you would yeah. be about a $4 million a year. Player. Yeah, I, I, I think that's probably <laughs> both. Gee whiz. Try not to throw yourself in front of a train. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get in front of a bus here. <laughs> right. um, uh, that's hard to say. I, I would say... Somebody that would, you know, I'm, I'm having a struggle coming up with a guy right now, but the, the profile of the player would be somebody that's competitive, um, was quick, could score, and didn't really, you know, wasn't ever in any danger of winning the Selkie Trophy for the best defensive forward. <laughs> right. Like that, that would be kind of me in a nutshell. Um, you know, somebody that's a second center uh-huh. um, who consistently or mostly consistently could about, score. You know, I, I don't know who that is. What about a Kadri? He plays with a bit of an edge. He can skate. Oh, uh, that's not bad. He's got some skills. Um, that's not, um, you know, he talks a lot. Yeah, he's, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. A little chippy. Uh, yeah, I, that's not terrible. Ray, you are a guy that you told me one time, you got four goals and you were minus four on the night. <laughs> uh, not four goals. Oh, okay. What was no, no, it? Uh, a goal and three assists. I had oh, okay, that's my, my first NHL goal. <laughs> Um, three assists. I was 20 years old and I was minus four. We lost 10, five in Montreal. That's, <laughs> that's a little bit of a different world. That's impossible to do. I think that's impossible. I mean, to the only, do. Although we've already had two teams, yeah. four, 10 goals in a game. Yeah. Yeah. We have this year. I know. I saw the, the avalanche lose and I'm just like, Oh, they play the Leafs the next night. Oh, this is not going to be good. And, and kudos to them for, for rebounding. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, but the Leafs lose and they get 52 shots. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, Varlamov was out of his mind on on Sunday night right. for that for that win. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I, I don't really know what I mean. Obviously, what more they could have done, they could have scored. But yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. It, it was it wasn't a lack of chances. That's right. for sure. All right, last question for you here uh, from Brent Ray. In all your trips to all the hockey rinks over the years, does anyone have fries like the Spud Shack in Trail? Uh, I played junior in the BC League and made sure to get kicked out so I could get some before getting on the bus. Love the show. Okay, so the Spud Shack <laughs> was in the uh, in the right corner of the rink. Um, all hand cut potatoes. You know, <laughs> fry them up. They were uh-huh. you could smell them as you were coming into the rink. I remember as a kid, as soon as I we'd come in, I'd say, "Hey, Dad, can I get uh, can I get fries tonight?" <laughs> you know, like I just loved them, and you used to douse them in ketchup and vinegar. I think vinegar is a Canadian thing. I think it is. Yeah, I don't think it, it has the same no, uh, support no. south of the border. No. But 
ketchup and vinegar on fries in a rink in a paper <laughs> tray, you know, like yeah, holder yeah, thingamajiggy. Yeah, yeah. Pretty sweet. I mean, this is Brent years later. He still remembers the Spud Shack years, years ago in junior. Okay, so <laughs> in, in all the rinks I've been in, yeah. uh, you know, so what do you remember, right? You remember stuff like that. There are no better hot dogs in the NHL than in Montreal. I've heard that over and over. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, noodles even, I mean they yeah. toast the bun. I don't know. It's just a hot dog, but, man, they're Okay, good. well, let me ask you this. Have you heard of the world-famous Dodger dog? Oh, yeah, I've had a Dodger dog. Okay, they're terrible. They're awful. They're awful. Okay, so that's why. A Dodger dog. But when I hear about these people, like Noodle stuck a Montreal hot dog in his pad, right? Yeah. Um, when I hear oh, everyone. These are a different level, Steve, different level. Okay, because I get, I get wary of that because I heard Dodger dogs were amazing and I ate them and I'm just like, no, it's terrible. No, this is. Right. You would be. The problem with, as they're called in Montreal, a Shan show, yeah. is that they're about three bites. Oh, so you just go you to know? town. Yeah, so. Like, <laughs> There are guys that would, when guys would get scratched there, you'd always ask them after, how many? Yeah. You know, maybe like five. Five. <laughs> you know, like five hot dogs. Well, if anybody's in trail, go to the Spud Shack. Still there? Yeah. Still there? When the, oh, when the trail juniors are playing, go to the Spud Shack. You betcha. All right. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, thanks to you, Andrew Burnett, for coming on. And most of all, uh, thanks to you, Ray. Uh, Ray Ferraro of TSN Analyst. Uh, World Junior coming up, so that's what you're going to be on now. Uh, we're going to keep these going, though. Uh, at some point, we'll try to make some time, and, uh, and we'll make it happen. So yeah, We'll uh, get it every Monday. Yeah. We'll bang it out again next Monday. Awesome. Thanks, Ray. Take care, Steve. Thanks. See, bye.